0: Hey, moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 27-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, The 4-Hour School Day, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. You can find all of those books at Amazon. You can find them on my website, dorendawilson.com, and you can find The 4-Hour School Day uh, at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just Mentioned. Today we are going to be talking about protecting our kids from sexual abuse. Um, but before we dive into that, I have a question for you. Are you ha- um, do you happen to be looking for a new math curriculum? CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that make a multi-sensory approach to learning. Creative graphics and animation synchronized with the friendly voice of internationally acclaimed teacher Pat Murray makes learning math easy and effective. Favorably reviewed um, by Kathy Duffy's 103 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review. The lessons are short and concise to help your child break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. We are personally uh, trying out CTC Math right now and loving it. So if you are interested, go to um, ctcmath.com today and start your free trial. Um, And that is ctcmath.com. Go and check it out. All right. So it is perhaps a parent's greatest fear that at some point his or her child will become a victim of sexual abuse. Um, The statistics really are alarming. Um, Approximately one in five children will become victims by his or her 18th birthday. I I really wanted to tackle this topic, but I didn't want to do it alone. So (laughs) I invited uh, Justin Holcomb is here to talk with us and help us better understand how we can protect our kids from sexual abuse. Uh, Justin is a minister and professor professor, of theology at Reformed Theological Seminary and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He has authored, co-authored, or edited more than 20 books on numerous topics, including abuse, biblical studies, and theology. Justin and his wife, Lindsay, co-authored the award-winning children's book, God Made All of Me, God Made Me in His Image, and God Made Babies. And in the last episode, we talked about God Made Babies and tackling that question of where do babies come from? So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, please go back and do that. Justin, welcome. We're so glad you're back today.
1: Thank you, Dorinda. This is a joy to be here talking about this. I wish we didn't have to, but I am grateful that there are people and leaders who take it seriously. So Mm -hmm. thank you for Mm -hmm. talking about this and for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like these are the things we get in front of, um, or we find ourselves sort of dealing with the fallout. And I know, uh, what did they say? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs)
0: So what initially prompted you to write the book God Made All of Me and what age range was it written for?
1: It was written for two to eight-year-olds. Okay. And what prompted us is a few things. Um, my wife and I, Lindsay, wrote a book for sexual assault survivors in 2010 or 11 called Rid of My Disgrace, mm. A Hope and Healing for Those Who Suffer Sexual Abuse. And... I'm a minister, so I wanted to apply the person and work of Jesus Christ and his grace to the disgrace that survivors feel from their experience. And -hmm. then we thought, what if we could be a part of preventing this? How do we do this? My wife has a master's in public health and there's a concept code called going upstream. If you see bodies coming down the river and you're (laughs) going, why are people, why are there dead bodies in the river? You go upstream and see what might be causing them. So we thought, let's go upstream and see if we can prevent let's see if we can put rid of my disgrace out of business. And Mm. we wanted to help do that. So we thought, let's do children's books. And we had, our our daughters are 12 and 14. At the time we did these books, I think they were six and eight. And Mm. we, we basically, we created a book that we wanted to read with our children. And by God's kindness, this book has Mm. sold like 125,000 copies, which Blows wow. my mind because if that's if that's at least two children per copy, probably more, they get passed around. The idea yeah. that there is a quarter million children that have this insight in mm. in their souls and minds is really encouraging. But we did this because of the huge need, as you said at the very beginning. You are correct; one in five children before their eighteenth birthday. And what is equally as staggering is who's harming children mm-hmm. only 34% um are 34% not only 34% are family members um 58% are acquaintances only 7 to 10% are strangers that's wow. important for parents to hear 34% are family members almost 60% are acquaintances Only Mm -hmm. seven to 10% are strangers because we, we live in an illusion that our bubble is safe and our bubbles are not safe. That's the Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we, we needed to, uh, we wanted to be clear about that. So children are, and, and the vast majority of people who are abused sexually are under 18. That is unbelievably important for people to Mm -hmm. understand too. Mm -hmm. And so, and the devastation that is, um, is, is manifold. And so, Uh, the the last thing I'll say about this is we did this because this is my wife's specialty in the sense of she was a a case manager for a sexual assault crisis center, worked with families that experienced this. And personally, I was sexually abused when I was uh, younger by a distant Mm -hmm. family member. And so this Mm -hmm. is also personal for us, not just professional. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, it, well, I'm so glad you did. I mean, that's that is writing this book, obviously is is having a a major effect. I, I love it. I love that that god can i what i love is what you said you about writing this book so that you no one would need the other book <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome but you know in this book you were intentional about using t- the terms appropriate and inappropriate when referring to kinds of touch instead of the words good or bad can you explain why that terminology difference is so important
1: absolutely this is this is huge talking about touch is very important because in a, even though it sounds clunky, you think you're talking to children you want to use easier, accessible words like good and bad. Inappropriate and inappropriate sounds multi-syllable, and, and, mm-hmm. but sometimes what we would call bad touch biologically feels good. Mm-hmm. And it's really confusing for a child if some of the touches that are evil and inappropriate and abusive – If their bodies respond because God made the bodies to respond to certain types of touch, and if a if the body if something feels good and the body responds in a way that feels like pleasure, then it's really confusing because then children will think, "Oh, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm dirty." So you want to use inappropriate Mm and appropriate touch. Mm And that's that's what experts. This is we're not just doing this because it's like some weird idea Justin and Lindsay got. Like we, this is our field of research. I mean, I, I was a, as you said, a professor. Um, uh, in my introduction, <laughs> <a> professor, <laughs> I, yes. I was uh, I, I, I'm a I research. My wife is a um, you know she pro- provides care for survivors and advocates for them, and this is what the experts say: use appropriate, inappropriate because of that, and so you can say to your child, like, you know, some of the time you like to be hugged and snuggled and tickled and kissed, but sometimes you don't and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Let me know if a family member or a friend or anyone else touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable and what we would say and you would feel like is inappropriate. You can, that's a, that's a statement you can say to children and they will understand.
0: Right, right, right. And I love this um, this idea of using appropriate and inappropriate um, versus good or bad. It really, it, it opens up the possibility for more communication because like you said, they're not going to feel like they did something bad or they should not talk about this thing because it's bad. Yes. Um, and that's so important. We want to keep those communication lines wide open. Um, so why do you encourage moms and dads to use the proper names when referring to body parts, even for young children? We discussed some of this in the last episode. Um, but tell us why you encourage that.
1: Yeah, well, just like the first one, all of this is knowing the strategies of evildoers, knowing mm-hmm. what perpetrators and offenders are going to try to do and trying to cut them off at the pass. Right. So going back to the good and bad, appropriate, inappropriate, an offender will say, doesn't that feel good? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's one of their strategies.
0: Oh yeah. That's
1: why, yeah. so we want to say, no, 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 inappropriate, appropriate. Same thing with body parts and, a, and a, an offender will try to turn a private part into a plaything, into mm-hmm. um, something that is, um, if you give it a, Improper name and, and, and nickname, it makes it feel like it's di- more distant from your body. Right, and it's, right. it's this objective thing. So, proper names are really important for a few reasons, um, especially uh, private parts, mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. one, it doesn't communicate shame. Right. A child knows my knee is my knee, my elbow is my elbow, my eye is my eye, and that's my penis. It's right. not a it's not a hoo-hoo, it's not a lily, it's not I mean it's not a, you know, whatever the nickname's. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't be playful because kids will find their private parts something to joke about. We don't we're not saying never make a joke. We're just saying actually name the private part. Right. Say what it is. Right, and, right. and that's important because that way when they're you're communicating like, first of all, it's unnerving for a child to say to an offender, why are you touching my fill in the blank? Like, uh uh-oh, this child isn't calling it a cupcake or a lily or whatever. This is unnerving. Also, if you need, hopefully you never do, but if you need to have that conversation and a specialist needs to be involved, the child needs to be able to say what happened and where the child was touched. The last one is when you don't give it a proper name it actually communicates shame, as mm-hmm. if it's something that the child should not talk about and 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 never bring up again. And there's something weird about that part because it gets some weird name, mm-hmm. and it communicates the opposite of what we need our children thinking.
0: Right, right. I I hear what you're saying. It sounds to me like what you're saying is we don't want our children to become disconnected. Yes. with their body parts because nicely like said. Yeah, so when you give a <laughs> give it a, a name that it really isn't. It suddenly isn't part of you, so yeah, that's excellent. I, I love that. So, mm. is there a way to um, educate your children about this without instilling fear? Because it can that can happen so easily. Our tone of voice, our nervousness um, in talking about the subject. How can we, you know, broach this without passing this fear onto our kids?
1: Yeah, that was that, that was the hardest part to do about doing a children's book mm-hmm. because like how do you even bring up the category without making it just all super dark and fearful? Right, and right. What kind of colors do you I mean, all of those types of questions mm-hmm. you have to have. So yeah. you, you have to have a name for the people who do this. Like so, and we call them tricky people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helpful for a young child to right. have in place. So like, why are we talking about this mom and dad? Well, because sometimes there's tricky people who, who try to trick you and they're, they're not your friend, but they act like your friend. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you don't want to instill complete fear in them. I mean, the statistics I just gave about 34% are family members, 58% are acquaintances, only seven to 10 are like, we don't give those to children. But what we do do is you, you start going through, who can you trust? Like there mm-hmm. are tricky people. Mm-hmm. Well, who's the opposite of tricky people? People, who do you trust? Asking your child, who do you trust? hmm that actually be really interesting because you might yeah. not trust the person they say, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, but in telling them who you trust and say you no know, if if you ever feel uncomfortable, um, you know one we all know the rule uh, find a mom who has kids like mm-hmm. go to that person, mm-hmm. but who mm-hmm. in your life, um, do you trust this person at church, this person in, uh, in our family, where in our world are there people? We actually have a page in the book that says, list the people you trust, talk mm-hmm. about the people you trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other one is to explain. So one is how you describe the person who does this to counter that by who do you trust? How do you explain this tricky person? What are they doing? Well, people sin. You know how sometimes people use their words to hurt you and sometimes you use your words to hurt other people? Yeah. You know, how sometimes you might push or pull hair or do something with your body. Yeah. This person is touching a private part because, um, they're tricky and they, sometimes people want to hurt other people and that's mm-hmm. bad. That's a mm-hmm. sin. Call it what mm-hmm. it is.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. that's frame it like that. Just real quick story. Um, you know, I I mentioned this, my daughters are 12 and 14. They know about this book. I was preaching one time and I thought we talked about this as a family, Mm -hmm. um, specifically about my story. And I just mentioned in passing, my daughters, when we got back, had they were just like horrified. uh, (laughs) I knew of like, why would someone, how old were you? And I told them, they said, why would someone that old do that to you? Like it was mind boggling, Mm -hmm. which is good. Like you (laughs) want them. So you want them to say some people, want to touch children in their private parts like isn't that just mind boggling that way if someone starts acting inappropriate toward them they'll have a category of this is right. crazy because mm-hmm. it is this is mm-hmm. yeah. this is one of the most <laughs> evil things that can be done and we want to be able to have our, your child look at evil and say this is evil mm-hmm. and that's a great it's actually as much as we don't want to instill just complete fear in children which we that we don't want to do that we want to give them responsible outlook on life. Um, But to instill, to be able to call good, good, and evil, evil, Mm -hmm. that is a great skill. And we Mm -hmm. get to do that on this topic.
0: Well, and that's truth telling. That's what God has called us to, you know, and teaching our kids to do the same. So what do uh, parents need to know about child offenders?
1: Yeah, child offenders are tricky. Um, Child offenders love churches Mm -hmm. because, and there's a, there's research on this where a, a, Uh, a mental health expert, a therapist interviewed convicted child sexual offenders. Mm -hmm. And they, a lot of them said, we like churches because for some reason, even though they technically believe in sin, they sure think highly of people. And, and so churches, people want to be nice. You're always looking for volunteers. You have a category of the grace of God and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. um, that's what's, disturbing. Mm. What they found is vast majority of child sexual offenders are religious, very Mm -hmm. religious. Uh, in the nineties, um, they're actually more religious than most people. Now they they're religious in the most distorted, um, domineering, power hungry, fundamentalist Mm -hmm. type of way where they distort scripture for, and it's always about power. It's always Mm -hmm. about control. Mm -hmm. Um, and, domination, the, the kind of things that they hone in on. But they also are mass, they've been, the average sex offender has, um, they're usually male, and the average sex offender before convicted who abuses boys has nearly a hundred acts of abuse. Wow. The one who abuses against girls has about 50, I think it's I think the number is 52. They have they they have honed their abusing skills. They know how to pick a child that they will target. Mm-hmm. They groom them. Mm-hmm. They are very intentional. They look for children who wouldn't be believed. They look for children who don't have a lot of parental oversight mm-hmm. and they are like lions stalking a prey. Mm-hmm. There this is not an impulse. This is intentional. And that's why parents need to be as intentional, if not more, than them. They're mm-hmm. also masterful at lying. You, mm-hmm. you walk in the room, and your child has a look on their face, and the adult in the room with the door closed, um, and you're like, Wait, what, "What's going on?" And they know exactly what to say in the moment to diffuse the situation. Mm-hmm. They're they've been lying for most of their lives. Mm-hmm. They've been lying to police and parents and children and their bosses and authorities for years. And they know how to do this. And the religious ones know how to use Bible verses. Right. They know how to feign. There's a category called, you know, godly repentance and worldly sorrow. Mm. Godly repentance looks like owning behavior. Worldly sorrow looks like Crying, saying the right things with no behavioral change and no ownership. Mm-hmm. So that's what parents need to know about perpetrators: is they are the reason we say tricky is because they are tricky. They're slippery. They're deceptive, and they lie to themselves. They believe their own lies. Mm-hmm. So if you suspect something, go with your gut.
0: Right, right. And better to be safe than sorry, for sure. Yes. Um, so you know, a lot of us end up in this situation um, where you know, an uncle or, you know, wants wants the kid to come sit on their lap and, you know, is it a bad idea to force our kids to sit on an uncle's lap or return grandma's kiss? What are some ways parents uh, help their extended family understand the physical boundaries that they allow their kids to have? Because
1: that can get really tricky. Yeah. Um, It does get tricky, but only because other people make it tricky. And our job is to make it untricky and to (laughs) risk it. And So let me tell a story real quick. I think this might help. So my mom and dad were really close to both uh, grandparents on both sides of the family. And my mom and dad, they lived two hours away. Years ago, they came up for a visit for the weekend. My dad was leaving and my mom was in the car. Dad was getting ready to jump in. And he said, hey, Um, he looked at one of my daughters and said, can I have a, can I have a hug and a kiss goodbye? And my daughter, because my dad has a really thick beard Mm -hmm. and not that she needs to have a reason for it, but I knew that was the reason. Can Mm -hmm. I have a hug and a kiss? She said, no, thank you. And he said, oh, come on, give grandpa, I'm not going to see you for a while. Come on and give me a kiss. And I looked at my dad and he was, he was down on her level and he's super grandpa. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, Hey dad, come back inside. I wanted to give you something. And he was like, Oh, okay. And I said, dad, do you want your granddaughter getting use to men begging for physical affection. And she's supposed to give in. Hmm. And he looked at me and he was like, oh my goodness. I had Mm -hmm. no idea. (laughs) Like that was easy to undo pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And he says, (laughs) he's like, do I need to say anything? I was like, no, I would just say, um, walk out there and say, bye Sophia. And I was like, I can't wait to see you and just make it normal. And he was like, okay, so he did that. And she said, Hey grandpa. And he turned around and she's like, she gave him a high five. And he was like, oh, that's perfect. Now you have to have some conversations with family members because some people, um, some grandparents, some aunts and uncles, they get offended. Well, Mm -hmm. that's on them. Mm -hmm. If they Now we want to be gentle and educate them and not condescending and abrasive. And so, Hey, well, that's what I said to my dad. Hey dad, do you want your granddaughter getting used to to boys begging for physical attention? And she's supposed to say, yes, he got it immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Hey grandma, you know, mom, I know you're safe, but we want her to have a boundary that if she doesn't want to get kissed or get touched or tickled, she can, she doesn't have to do that. And that's appropriate. That's, it's not liberal. It's not giving into a, 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 an unbiblical ideology. Like there's ways that people get all up in arms about right, this. Like, right. you know, and I used to play a game with my girls and it was on purpose. I was a tickle game. And the whole purpose was to tickle them until they said, stop. Sure. And it was just a game. And they knew when they say, stop, stop. And so I was like, tickle game. And they didn't, to me, it was just a tickle game. But when they said, stop, I would stop. And one time I didn't stop quick enough. And my daughter was like, you did not stop. I mean, she had no idea what we were doing, but she had this sense of that was a violation. Hmm. And that's what we're trying to instill. God made your body. He made all the parts of your body. And every part of your body is good. And some parts of your body are private. Like that's, you want to instill that message and then you get to tell them you're in charge of how people approach you and, and if they can touch you and, right. and giving that boundary to them is really healthy. That's healthy for their safety. That's also healthy when they're teenagers and when they're in their teens and twenties and when they're you know, dating, married, however that works out. Like you want that foundational kind of body and, integrity in place of boundaries. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some practical things? This is really kind of like what we've, we've, we've been working towards. Um, I know you have some practical things that parents can do to protect their children. I think you said you had nine things. And so uh, moms, be sure you're listening in. You might even want to jot these down.
1: Yeah, l- we'll do some of the new ones first. Then um, depending on how the time goes, we can just kind of mention them again. So one is this is uh, more abstract, but don't ask your child to maintain your emotions Mm. without thinking about it. Sometimes parents ask children along the lines of like, Hey, I'm sad. Can I have a hug or, Mm. and and that's innocent. That's completely innocent, but that's also the tactic of an abuser. Right. And it's also, it's not their job. Like mom is sad. I need to cheer her up is not what a little, what a child needs to be worrying about. Mm -hmm. Now, you want them to be empathetic of course but and i did this one time i came home years ago work was not fun something happened i remember coming home and i was like dad sad. dad needs a hug and a kiss and my wife looked at me she put her head around the corner and she was like looked at me with this like what are you doing and i caught myself and i was like oh wait a second it's not Oops. their they're their daughters like that's my wife's job that's her responsibility and joy like not my kids job to do that and I, when i say it's my wife's job i mean it's not responsibility that's what sure, I'm sure. i sure sure I don't, don't know how people hear that. I want to be careful. Um, and so that's one is just being aware of that, you, you know, uh, being really emotionally open and available to our children, but not in a way that we're asking them to maintain our emotions. That's, that's a pathway to a codependent relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another one, huge one is throw out the word secret. Don't use it. Um, in the book, we actually talk about how secrets are, lonely and isolating and makes you feel dark. And the opposite of that, just like we said before, there's tricky people and who do you trust? You have to give them an alternative. Throw out the word secret and use the word surprise. Mm-hmm. A secret is not fun secrets. nest that's tactic of an abuser. This is our secret. This is the secret that we want to keep between us. We can't tell anyone, right? You promise it's going to be our secret. So throw out the word secret and replace it with surprise. Surprises are joyful. People are happy. They're celebrating. And so mm-hmm. if something happens and someone asks you to keep a secret, you don't ever have to keep a secret. You always tell mom and dad the secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure parents work on this. If they have a secret party or a birthday present, you have to say, this is a surprise. (laughs) um, um, And this is funny because I mean, you, you will have some uh, issues on this because, you know, one of my daughters, one of her friends at church said, Hey, I want to tell you a secret. And my daughter was like, no, starts yelling, no secrets, no secrets. And the secret was I want you to come to my birthday party and I can't invite everybody. Well, that was a surprise, but these, these are playful moments you can actually have fun with and Mm -hmm. be aware of to kind of, um, so uh, don't maintain your emotions, throw out the word secret. Also maybe toss out the whole playing doctor game. A lot of bad things happen with kids playing doctor, Mm -hmm. uh, play veterinarian, go get some stuffed animals, turn that game around. Right. Um, (laughs) so Identify who to, um, whom to trust. We talked about that one. Talk about touches, what's appropriate, inappropriate touch. No one should ever touch your private parts. Name the private parts. Mm-hmm. Explain where they are. They're covered by a bathing suit. Only mom and dad, if they're there to help you um, you know, take a bath or the doctor when mom and dad are there or something like that, Like explain when it's appropriate for this to take place. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the, the other last one really is just to invite your child's communication. This was both the theme of this episode and the previous episode is, is, Hey, if anything, if you ever feel uncomfortable, please talk to me. I felt uncomfortable before. And that's not a fun feeling. No, empathize, tell them they, they, children love hearing stories about when their parents were kids Mm -hmm. and how they felt it affirms their emotions and their experiences. know, I felt afraid by a a tricky person and someone asked me to keep a secret and it's not fun. And if you ever feel like that, I want to know about it. Let Mm -hmm. me know, invite Mm -hmm. that communication, be Mm -hmm. the trusted resource.
0: And I love the way you worded that. Again, it wasn't weird. It wasn't uncomfortable. It was just very, uh, you know, very factual without going into any kind of detail. And it just, again, it opens up those lines of communication.
1: Yeah. Last one is if you, report, if you, if you suspect anything, Mm -hmm. don't investigate, report. Mm. Don't investigate. You're not a specialist. You're dealing with a tricky person who's used to lying. Mm -hmm. Just report it to the authorities, report it to real authorities, Mm. not like who you think is an authority of the situation. Report it. When in doubt, report. And worst case scenario is you're wrong, which is a great worst case scenario. And if the other person can't handle that, then they have some other issues, like oh, I thought my child may have been harmed. That's why we did this. Well, you should have come to me. No, I should have gone to the authorities. That's what I'm supposed to do. And uh, so, don't investigate. Report is something I want parents to hear loud and clear. You're not crazy for reporting it. Let experts deal with it.
0: Okay. So this this sort of leads me into the the last question. Um, when this type of thing happens in church, um, can you? Because it 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 seems like a lot of times you know the recommended thing is to to you know go through the the church authorities. Is there a line there? What? How do we how do we handle that? Because it's it gets really really dicey um once you've gotten you know police involved and all of that. So do you have like a, maybe some steps that people can take?
1: Yeah, you can call you can call a Department of child and family services. You can ask them for anonymous help on this kind of thing. What should we do? Um, if you call the police, they don't just send like a squad car with the mm-hmm. lights on. Like they they know how to deal with this and how to investigate properly. Going straight to the pastor. Most, most pastors are not trained in how mm-hmm. to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone to seminary. I teach at a seminary. Thankfully, the seminaries where I work and teach I teach a class called Abuse and the Church. I've taught it at numerous seminaries mm. and the rule of thumb is get your policies in place and let the entire church know if there's ever an incident this is what we do. Mm. Don't bring it to us, we're not experts. Now we want to support you. And most of the stories that I've heard where people go to the pastor, they they don't want to they don't want the name of the church and all that kind of stuff to be dragged through the mud and they don't want false allegations mm. and Let's just do this as Christians, all that kind of thing. I am all for Matthew eighteen when done appropriately, but child sexual abuse is not really what we're looking at in Matthew eighteen. Mm. Um, there's other verses about that, about millstones and things. That Jimmy, <laughs> right? We
0: want to uh, we want to get technical here. <laughs> um,
1: so I, I I work in a denomination where we have multiple churches that I help over oversee with pastoral issues like this, and I walk with the clergy person or the family and give them options no you can talk to the like the parents are in charge and here's my recommendation that if depending on what it is if it's an if it's an allegation and there's not really a lot of information there's there's different ways to go about it but but pastors are mandated reporters if you know abuse is happening you must go to the authorities if you suspect something is happening as a parent Mm -hmm. report it, call Mm -hmm. up department of child and family services or whatever it's called in your area. I call them a few times a year and say, Hey, here's the case. I need to know what you're thinking. What's the best, what are other resources available? And we can go from there. So, um, uh, that, that's that's the good rule of thumb.
0: Right, right. So, so uh, you know, um, in, in the notes that I have, you ha- you're have you involved in something called grace. Yes. Is that what you were describing earlier? Um, godly response to abuse in Christian environments.
1: Yeah, that's. I've been on the board for that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you can see them at netgrace.org, N-E-T-G-R-A-C-E.org. Uh, okay. And that is an organization that is involved in abuse prevention, recognition, mm-hmm. and response. And so it okay. helps helps people prevent, helps churches and families prevent abuse, mm-hmm. recognize abuse, and how mm-hmm. do you respond wisely to abuse? They actually do certification for churches. Mm-hmm. So we want churches to be certified, get the training, in-person training, um, have policies and procedures to know if this happens in the church, what's the next step? The next right. step there, and, and, and the church knows about it. The, the There's training for the people who work in the children's ministry. There's policies and procedures for youth ministry. Um, volunteers, there's policies and procedures. And there's a way to go forward if there's ever an allegation. You can call these people. Um, you can call the church. Like, how can we support you? That's, that's kind of the, the big right. idea. And that's what Grace is involved with.
0: Okay. Well, I will definitely leave that link in the show notes because I'm sure there are parents out there who, and I I know many of my listeners are pastor's wives. And so this would also be great information for them as well. So um, no, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us and uh, what a lot of really helpful information. So thank you.
1: Oh, our pleasure. Again, like I said, uh, we're grateful that um, you and the listeners take this seriously. I mean, the gift of children that they are mm-hmm. to us and the stewardship and responsibility. God cares about them even more than we do, but mm-hmm. we care about them a lot. So I love mm-hmm. the opportunity to uh, just provide resources and hopeful some insight and wisdom to keep you know hundreds of more children safe just by the people who are listening today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you again. Would you mind closing in a word of prayer?
1: I'd love to. Thank you. Holy and gracious Father, we thank you that you love children and families, that you made them and you planned for them. Thank you for the gifts that they are to us. Would you fill us with your spirit so we have, as your spirit is the spirit of truth and wisdom, so we have wisdom as parents and caregivers? Would you work the reality of your son for who he is and what he did in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension of? The work of Christ, work that into our hearts. Mm-hmm. So the, um, we have the hope and healing we need to go forward with these conversations with our children and give us the courage to, uh, have these conversations with wisdom and grace. And we thank you for opportunities like this, um, for the conversations that will flow from this, that, that it would be filled with light and mm-hmm. joy mm-hmm. and, uh, not darkness and isolation mm-hmm. in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you